What's up? How the shitty dick are you? I'm doing good. It's Aiden Jones here, and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 17th of January, 2023. <laughs> you're doing good? I'm fucking, I'm all right, man. I'm doing okay. <laughs> oh my golly, God, I am so sorry. <laughs> Sarcastic apology. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. All right. No, I genuinely am sorry if that was loud. That's a big snare. You know what? I don't know in five and a bit years if I have ever sneezed on the podcast. Now you know. Now you know how I sneeze. All right. I'm going to have a bit of tea. Oh, wonderful. Truly marvelous. I've only got one tea bag left in my little box there. I'm going to have to buy some more. I sneeze, man. I sneeze loud. My mum has a loud sneeze. I got that from her. That and my relentless feeling of hope. She always sneezes loud. And you know what? It always, it like kind of annoys me, but I can't be mad because I sneeze loud. It's not a choice. It really isn't a choice. And I feel like I see it less and less these days, but I just... I really feel sorry for people who do that that stifled sneeze. It sounds like it's doing damage internally. Do you not wish to be free? <laughs> I feel like that's not something that they choose either, but it just, I don't like it. But I know the loud sneezes like, I feel like when people say bless you, no one says bless you to, <laughs> no one says bless you. People say, I'm sorry. Is that, are you all right? Is everything okay at home? <laughs> Was your childhood okay? <laughs> that sounds like you come from a broken home when you're sneezing like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, that's a bit dark there. That's a bit dark. Hey, oi, relax. All right? Nah, but when people say, I feel like when people say bless you to the loud sneeze, what they're really saying is, that upset me. (laughs) But I was raised right. So, you know, if you can't say something nice, then don't say anything. Well, I can't not say anything because you've just smashed every pane of glass in a three-mile radius. So instead... I'm going to say something nice, but in a really passive-aggressive way. God bless you. And if you do that again, I'm going to come over there. <laughs> it often happens if I'm sitting in a cafe, people say God bless you when I sneeze loud after they've been ignoring me for the last half an hour because I've been sitting on one long black, really taking the piss out of the free soda water arrangement. And then I go, and they're like, God bless you, mate. You going to buy something else or are you just going to keep staring at that empty coffee cup expecting me, minimum wage staff Jerry, to come over there and clear it from your table so you can spread your fucking notebooks out? Hmm? Is that the situation, sir? That's what they normal. That's what they're thinking. So, yeah, how are you? Had a good week? 
I've been working hard this week. I'll tell you how much money I've spent in the last week. If you go through, this is going to be, I reckon this is going to be my um, my thing for the year. I'll report back to you guys. This is accountability on how much money I spent in the last week. And then if you really want to investigate me for tax fraud, you can go back <laughs> through every podcast and and calculate to the dollar exactly how much money I've spent in the last year. Um, or you can just see how much money I'm earning. Uh, so I spent $413 in the last week, a little bit over what I would have liked, but, uh, I bought, uh, I bought me and a friend tickets to go see a movie. And I, he said when I bought them, he was like, Oh, I'll have to pay you back. And then he didn't say it again. And I'm not going to ask. So I just, you know, I just lost that money. Um, and you know what? That's Okay. Because sometimes that happens. And then we went and got dinner. I got popcorn. That was an expensive day. 85. Uh, and then on Friday, I got my girlfriend some flowers uh, in I like sent to her place in Ireland because she did an exam to see if she can get accepted into this like fucking five-year doctor thing placement. Um, she's got a few exams that she has to do. She sat her first one. She was stressed. So I got flowers delivered to her place so that when she got home from the exam, they were there and it was very nice. I still, I haven't met her parents and we were on a video call as she, and they came in a box. Who delivers flowers in a box? I don't know, mate. I don't quite know about that. Um, I was expecting like, I was like, oh, there's a surprise for you. So let's go on video. And I was expecting that to just be like, there'd just be flowers sitting there and you get like a free box of chockies as well, which is sick. Um, and then she got in and, and she was like there with her mom in the kitchen and then her mom's like holding the camera and it was like this huge box. And I became very embarrassed because I just wanted it to be, I didn't want to make a big fuss to be like, Hey, how good am I? I got you flowers. Hey, my girlfriend's mum, like me. Look, I got her flowers. All right, lady. <laughs> I didn't want it to be like that. I just wanted to be like, you know, I know you're working hard and you've been stressed. Here's a nice thing. But because it came in a box, then she had to like open the box and her mum was there standing with the phone and I'm there and I'm like, yay, <laughs> you know, like... How are you guys doing? Oh, big dinner tonight. I don't fucking know, man. I didn't want it to be a whole thing, but it was. And then I was anxious for her to just get it open because the box, like flowers by themselves, it's just like a small thing. It's like tokenistic more than anything. But to put flowers in a box, instantly it's like twice as big as the flowers themselves. So it looks like I've gotten her like a fucking PlayStation 5. <laughs> <laughs> how wildly inappropriate would that be <laughs> not only in terms of how much it costs and like the level of i mean it's just it's an embarrassing you know amount of money to spend on a gift but also just like, it's like she's never played any kind of video games in her life i'm like i got you a playstation <laughs> How awkward that would be. And then her mum's like, oh, oh, great. <laughs> Speaking of PlayStations, this is cooked. This is actually really sad, but I just thought it was a bit odd. 
I mean, I don't know. Grief makes people do strange things. I was in um, this Bendigo group. I don't know if even if I should say whatever. I mean, I was in it just like a, a group for like, you know, the locals of Bendigo because I was posting about my show, which by the way is this Friday, the 20th of January. It was sold, uh, I think, like 40 tickets at the moment for um, the engine room, which does seat about twice as many as that. But with 40 in the room, I'm really excited about how it's going to be already. I was on ABC Bendigo this morning, had a little interview there. So hopefully we get like 50 Maybe even 60 would be incredible, but 50 I'd be really happy with if we um, have a few more tickets moved this week. If you're in Bendigo, buy tickets. Fuck you. That's the last time I'm ever going to perform Taco, the show about meeting my biological dad. By the way, so I was in the group just this past week posting about the show and doing some promo and, you know, reading through the previous posts. and so, It's so sad. Someone had just put like... Um, I'm trying to remember the exact... I don't want to read it out loud because I don't want to have to go back and... It was something like, got it for him for Christmas, but I guess he'll never get to use it, giving it away for free because I can't stand looking at it and it hurts too much. So message me if you're interested. P.S. You'll be paying for shipping. And then just a picture of a PlayStation 5 and like one game. Like, fuck. What's that? Hey, that's like someone whose kid has died maybe over Christmas. And then like, they're like, well, I guess I've got to give away the PlayStation. That I mean, just that's like the modern day equivalent of for sale baby shoes never worn. But it's like to give away PlayStation 5 never played. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because the people who sold those baby shoes... It's sadder in a way because the people who sold those baby shoes... This person who's giving away the PlayStation can't bear to look at it because it reminds them of what they've lost. It almost adds an element of like kind of coldness to the baby shoes story because it's like for sale baby shoes ever worn. It's like, hey, uh, we were supposed to have a kid but either it didn't make it to term or it died in infancy. I oh, never worn, so it never it didn't make it. So we, me and my partner, we were excited to have a kid, but we had a miscarriage and we're completely devastated about it. We bought these baby shoes because we were planning on welcoming this new life into the world, but they never got to be worn. So we're really sad and we're trying to get rid of them, but they didn't, you know, they weren't free, these shoes. <laughs> So if you've got 50 bucks, <laughs> and by the way, we've taken out this ad in the paper and that's not cheap either. All right. So, you know, 50 bucks or nearest offer, but just fucking think about yourself. <laughs> You're really guilting people. Would you offer 50? Would you offer asking or would you kick in a little extra? There's always going to be some fucking savage on the boards like... <laughs> 50 bucks, I'll give you 28. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine trying to haggle the PlayStation Bendigo person down. I'll take the PlayStation. I'll take the um, I'll take the game as well. And if you hold it for me, I'll come round your house and pick it up now. We'll waive the, the delivery costs. And can I have a cup of tea when I get there? 
Just some fucking lunatics, man. There, it always is. It always is. I don't know if I like haggling, dude. I just like, just tell me how much it is and I'll pay that. Oh, but then I don't know. I was in a fucking shop the other day for work waiting to like, you know, put the, like the stickers up that I do. And there was some lady there and what was it? It was like, I just, I couldn't, the process of haggling and bartering is so opaque. I really have no idea and no, absolutely zero trust in any of the, like, so there was the guy whose shop it was and it was a clothes shop. And then there was the lady, so it was like a mum and her son and her son had some sort of disability. Like, I don't know what, but like, like a learning disability or something. And he, but he must have been like maybe 16, but he wasn't talking much, you know? He was like, had that type of thing going on. I don't know what. Um, and so the mum's there and she comes up with, it's a shirt, like a dress shirt, like a formal shirt, like maybe they're going to a wedding or something. It's like a formal shirt and a tie and some pants. And she's like, and the guy's like, that's going to be like 200. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry. And they've already tried it on and everything. And she's about to leave. And the guy's like, how much were you thinking to spend? And at this point, and it's like, it's a store. It's not like a marketplace. Like we're, it's in a shopping center. So to me, I'm like, you can't haggle, but she's fucking, she's ready. She's like 120. And the guy's like, oh, 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 170. And I'm like, no, that's right. It was just a shirt and maybe the pants. That's right. And then she goes, 150 cash. And he's like, all right, okay. And she's like, he's looking at the, the kid and he's like, just not for anyone else, but just for you because I like you. And then, and she's like very happy with herself and she pulls out her roll of cash and peels off a few and gives it to him, 150 and he's putting them in the bag and I'm standing there watching this whole thing. And then he goes, hold on, I want to give you something. I want to give you a gift. And he, he went over and got a tie for the kid and gave it to the kid. And he's like, just for you, mate, a tie, here you go, a gift. I want to give you a gift, right? And the mom's like, thank you. And it was all very nice, but I was just like, they left. And I kind of wanted, I didn't because I had to do my job, but I kind of wanted to say to the dude, like, that's how you fucking do it, hey? That, she, that is some professional level shit. Because I think the marked price, it might have even been above two, like 210 or it was definitely like around 200-ish, you know? And she got him down to 150. Fuck. If that was me, if I was going to that place, I would have just paid the, paid the asking. I don't know, Matt, but then did he do that because like the kid, because the kid had like a learning disability or, you know, fuck, I don't know, man. That's what I mean. It's just a, like the process of how, and then I don't want to offend someone, you know, if I go in there and they're like, and then, or, or like, I mean, he went, how much were you looking to spend? But I guess she signaled that she was ready to haggle because she kind of stood there for a bit and was like, oh, eh, uh, Oh, no. And then she was like, no, it's too much. It's too much. I just, I don't know. I don't know how it works. It seems aggressive. 
that's it. I just don't. It's, I'm not made for that part of the world, you know, like that. The but then I'm just. I guess I'm gonna be poor forever. I don't know. Do you guys haggle? Write in, or you know what happens. <laughs> hey, by the way, I got a lovely message this week from someone. Fucking who was it? Oh, am I going to be able to find it? Jesus, I really should have. I, I tried. I tried this week, you guys. I tried to get everything ready, all of my little bits ready for the podcast, and I forgot that I got a message from someone now. We scroll through. Was it that person? Was it you? No. Oh, wait. Oh, no. That's someone telling me they were hacked. Was it this person? No. Now, come on. Oh, fuck. You know what the problem is? Is this week I've sent like so many messages on Instagram because this week I've been trying to start my promo for the new show uh, and I've messaged literally every single alcohol-free brand in Australia, I think. Uh, because I've been trying to get like these little joint promos or whatever going with them. All right. Now I know. Oh, was it on my podcast? I think it might have been on the messages on my podcast. Yes. Come on. Here we go. All right. Um, got a message this week from someone saying, I hope I'm not too late. I only just got around to listening to your last two eps the last couple of days. I hope you haven't already killed yourself. I haven't. I'm still here. <laughs> I still feel bad about that joke, but it's fucking, it's got legs, mate. It keeps, keeps coming. I hope you haven't already killed yourself. In the event you are still alive, I thought I'd write to you and tell you my plans for 2023. I'm going to enroll in a post-grad degree, digital health. That's great. Good for you. Uh, and just the usual shit, like stop yelling at my family. <laughs> I love that. I forgot about this. This came through just as after I'd recorded last week's episode. Stop yelling at my family is sick, man. It's hard, isn't it? Stop spending too much money and lose some fucking weight. Losing weight is, you know, that's, that's here or there. Stop spending too much money. I mean, yeah, me too. That's what I'm trying to do with the fucking... Four hundred and thirteen last week was way too high. Stop yelling at your family. That's a good one, man. Because that means you are yelling at your family. I don't know that I yell at my family. I just bottle it up and resent them for years, you know. But at least I'm not. Yeah, I just yell at myself and cause discomfort to the people around me. Like whenever I burn my toast, that's an example. I mean, that's always been my example. I burn my toast. The shame of that, just like the frustration knowing that it's my fault and the disappointment of like I thought I was about to have toast and now I've got to, not only do I have to re-toast new bread, I have to take that bread and put it in the bin and it's wasteful and it's just there's so much going I don't know why it fucks with me so much, but I just end up fucking screaming at myself. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I fucking I'm I'm with you there, mate. Stop yelling at your family. Well, for me, it's stop yelling at myself. But you know, if you're yelling at your family, that's also bad. Hopefully, I can do at least one of those things in the next twelve months. <laughs> you just pick one. Here's all the things that are wrong with me. I'm gonna fix one. You know what'd be cool to check all the things that are wrong with you, like a menu for your friends and family. Like, go all right. Here's five things that I've picked that I think I could improve on in the next 12 months. 
and then you send out a survey to all the, like, you know, the fucking 10, 15, 20 people closest to you in your life. And you go, you guys number these like, like votes in the Brownlow medal. You number these or like when you vote in the election, you know, one to five. And then we do preferences and I get them back. I tally them. And <laughs> what do you think? What would you like to see me eliminate? Would you like to see me spend less money? Would you like to see me lose weight? Would you like to see me stop yelling at you? What are some others that I would do? Would you like to see me like, you know, uh, I mean, if, if like it's not for me, but like a drink less, what would mine be? Lose weight, have more money and stop yelling. I mean, those are kind of my three as well. Let's say it's those three. You number them, and it's funnier if it's five, though. Anyway, you get the point, right? Get your friends to vote on the improvements that they'd like you to make. Maybe you put in two blank spaces, and then people have that. Oh, that'd hurt if they always said the same one. Would you like me to cut you out of my life? <laughs> um, now, go put the rope away and get on with organizing yourself so you can get to the UK and continue your adventures with your girlfriend. Oh, that's nice. Thanks for writing in, mate. You've um, you've kept me alive for another you know few weeks. Anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? That's enough. That's hey, that's enough of that. That is enough of that. I'm seeing a movie tonight. I want to see that uh, Banshees of Venice for whatever it's called. Um, the uh, the dude who wrote, um, sorry, the guy who directed uh, In Bruges. Fucking sickest movie, man. Who's in it again? It is awards, cinematography, whatever. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, those two Irish guys. Fuck, I can't wait. Um, Going to go see that tonight with my boy Matias Vasquez at the uh, Carlton Cinema Nova. Ten bucks for tickets. So sick. Um, saw a movie, saw it like a, uh, last week. I went and saw Megan. Um, in the Gold Coast with a friend. I was in the Gold Coast all week last week, by the way, doing shows. I can't remember whether I said that. I just, I saw the promo for Megan. I, I read an article about it on The Guardian and then I pitched it to a mate and he was like, nah, nah, pass. But a, another friend just like happened to, I was like, do you want to hang out? And he was like, yeah, man, do you want to see that movie Megan? I was like, fuck yeah, 100%. That's absolutely the movie that I want to go see. So it's about this uh, <clears throat> this lady works for a, like a high-tech toy company and her sister and her sister's partner die in a car crash and their 13-year-old or 10-year-old, 10-year-old daughter doesn't die and she's like, you know, because she's like the godparent of this chick. So the, um, the lady who like, she's very career driven and just has no idea about kids is now taking care of this 10-year-old girl and they're working on this prototype new doll that's using AI and so she gives the little girl the first one and they like bond and then the AI doll becomes evil and whatever. Um, it was so fucking cool, man. I'm just, I'm loving AI right now. I just find it so fascinating. Like, I mean, the stuff with Google Deep Dream that I've been doing on the podcast for like a few years, but then recently it's become like you not just mixing two images together, but you can now basically tell the computer i think i've talked about this before it almost feels like you're talking to the computer 
but without text, but you're like, if you write, you know, what you want and then it gives you back an image, you're kind of understanding how it works a little bit. And um, these, like I was talking to people yesterday <clears throat> about AI and I was going like, you know, I'm not that, because I really am, I'm not that worried. Like there was a story a few months ago that I think I spoke about, about this guy who made a work of art with an AI generated engine thing. And it won an award in some show and and uh, the other people who entered were angry because they were like, this guy, like, you know, he didn't make it. And then people are talking about how AI is going to destroy jobs in creative industries. And like, I mean, sure, maybe, but it's just a tool like any other, I think. And what's the point of art? You know, like maybe it'll destroy hack work and like that's that does suck. Because hack work, you know, artistically and creatively, sure, we look down on it. When I talk about hack work, I mean like as a writer, you know, like writing just shit, just like churning out shitty articles and reviews and things like that. Or as a comedian, hack work is probably doing corporates, just being an entertainer and doing a job for someone, you know, which is a lot of people's bread and butter. And it's certainly made me plenty of money over the years, even though I'm... I'm not really that good at going out and looking for it. Maybe there will be a point where AI will be able to just fulfill that duty for cheaper. And so, you know, rather than having a comedian for their Christmas party, some big company will just book a fucking computer to come in and tell them jokes and it'll be as good as anyone else. But I think like there's always going to be a place for creativity that, like a computer just can't like, I guess this is my question. Fuck, I really didn't expect to be asking this question right now. But like, what's the point of art? You know, why do people pay money to consume art? I mean, in one sense, there's like the kind of being seen element of it. Like, you know, if you buy a painting by Banksy and put it in your house, then you get to say, I've got a painting by Banksy. And that's exciting and special. And that's a kind of cynical or that, that, I mean, that's a kind of shitty way of consuming art, I think. Like it's, you know, there's money in it and there's a place for it and whatever, but that's not, that's not the kind of, uh, I'm not making my thing hoping that it'll be consumed that way. If I get money and it's consumed that way, great. Like maybe you go to like, you know, a fucking Kevin Hart show to be able to say, I went and saw Kevin Hart or whatever big comedian or whatever big band or whatever. And that's also great. But like, I want to make something that makes people feel incredible and like uplifts them and, and makes them feel connected to me and to their own lives and, and kind of says something about what it is to be human, you know, and inspires. I mean, that's very lofty and maybe even arrogant to assume or to think that I might be able to do that. But that's the point of art, I think. To create something that when other people experience it, it makes them feel in a really deep and profound way like what it is to be human, you know? And that's it, what it is to be human. That right there is the reason that AI could never make that. Or maybe it could, you know, maybe I'm a fucking idiot. Maybe it could. If it can, 
then like, I don't know, not only are we fucked, but also who cares? Because if I could, because all, the reason I want to create that and get paid for it is because when I tell people those stories and, and make other people feel that way, that also makes me feel that way, like inspired and profoundly touched and whatever. Um, and if we can create a machine that makes us feel like that, well, then fucking hook me up to it, man. You know, <laughs> like who gives a fuck? Like, I'm also not scared of it because if there's a machine that can just do that, then fucking plug it into my head and I'll feel never-ending bliss for eternity, the end. So, like, either we can't create it, in which case there will always be a place for me and people like me to keep doing what we do and, you know, striving and trying to earn a living and that's there will still be a meaning. And if we can create something like that, then fucking that's it. Game over. We win. <laughs> that's what I mean, man. Like the whole hysteria about like, will AI destroy creative jobs? It's like either it will or it won't. Either way, who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? And the, all of the articles about that, I think, are fucking cynical. Like the, that's the answer. Either we can or we can't. Who cares? Just keep trying to fucking create the good thing. You know, just keep trying to make people feel inspired and uplifted. I think I'm being a little too idealistic right now. People have to make a living. But just every time there's a new technology, it feels like some new people find a reason to like or find a way of writing about it that makes other people scared. And then they use that fear to sell ads. And I just think that that's silly and I'm better than it. <laughs> Okay, all right, fuck. Um, I've been reading, um, maybe, maybe, here's the link, maybe the reason I feel um, so kind of able to like talk in such a pretentious way right now is because since I came back from um, the Gold Coast doing my gigs over there, landed yesterday morning, um, I didn't take my book, the second part of the three-part biography of Franz Liszt, by Alan Walker, I didn't take it on the plane because it's too heavy. By the way, I fucking tricked the losers over at Jetstar um, with their seven kilo baggage allowance. My notebook, I've realized, weighs 1.2 kilos. The notebook, the A4, larger than A4, like fucking 200 page notebook that I bought in July for fucking 70 bucks. Um, because I'm an idiot, it weighs 1.2 kilos, but what I've, and so I'm with the seven kilo baggage allowance, that's like most of it, so what I've been doing, because they fucking weigh your bags at the gate before you board the plane, and what I've been doing is, uh, I'll take the notebook out, and I'll wear a big jacket, and then I'll put the notebook underneath my shirt, and tuck it into my, like, into my pants, and I'm wearing a big jacket, so you can't see it, and then I chuck my bag on the scale, weigh it, sick, put the bag back on, get on the plane, notebook out, fuck you. <laughs> I just feel like it's bullshit, man. Really? 1.2 kilos over? I weigh fucking 72 kilos, mate. You know? Ugh, anyway, I'm not going to... I've already gotten angry enough for today. But I've been reading my biography of Franz Liszt, the second part, the Weimar years, 1848 to 1861. And um, 
in this part of his life, when he was about 35, he moved to Weimar. His relationship with this old, this uh, the, like the first huge relationship in his life kind of broke down and with a lot of bitterness. And uh, so he's met this new lady who's like this insanely rich, um, what is she? Uh, she might even be Ukrainian. Uh, Caroline von Wittgenstein or something like that. Wittgenstein Sayer, I can't remember. Um, but she's like, her dad was like, you know, has this insane fortune and all of these properties, like owns fucking like 10% of Ukraine. And she's the sole heir to that fortune. So she marries this guy just out of convenience and there's no love there and so they're like estranged and then she meets list and that's the huge love of her life and they decide to live together and she's trying to divorce from her husband but her husband's family want all the money so they're like nah if you divorce then he gets like fucking an insane amount of the fortune that she's supposed to inherit so she's like well i'm not going to do that because that's a bad deal and then i'll be fucked and they're like well then you can't marry list so her and List are living together in this town, Weimar in Germany, but she can't marry him because she can't get her marriage annulled without the consent of his family. He wants to do it. The, the old husband wants to do it as well because he's like, oh, I don't love you and I want to move on, but his family won't let him. And so it's this whole thing. And so because she's married to this other guy, but living with List at that time in the 19th century, that's like a huge no-no. So everyone in this town hates her and won't talk to her because they're like, you're scum because you're living in sin. So the upshot of that is they have this house called the uh, the, Alten, the Altenberg. That's like the house that her and List live in. And no one else in the town. List is like this famous pianist. He's like the most famous pianist in the world. So everyone loves him. And they just kind of ignore the fact that they hate this lady because they're like, oh, we, we like him, but they won't. No one talks to this lady. No, she can't fucking walk through the town. So she's just like a complete pariah and exile in this town. And uh, I think she's even like maybe her family's Russian and Russia, the the czar of Russia has asked for her to come back to Russia. And she's like, nah, I'm not doing it. Whatever. She's a complete exile. Like how crazy is that? She's just like in this town, but she can't talk to anyone. So the only people that she talks to are the constant parade of like intellectuals and artists who are coming through this house, the Altenberg in Weimar. And List is like, you know, traveling around all the time, but she's just there and they have all these other rooms. So List has all these prodigies, these young pianists come through the house and she takes care of them and they have their own room with their own piano and they practice. And then every like week or month or whatever, he comes back, they throw parties they have other writers, painters, musicians through the house. List puts on concerts in the town. Oh, man, it's so cool. What a life, you know? And he wants Weimar because Weimar was where, uh, who, who are the names? Goethe and Schiller, these like German, I don't know what they did, intellectual philosopher people from the turn of the um, 1700s, 1800s they kind of made Weimar, this town, famous, but then it was in decline and then List moved there in 1848 with the idea, I'm going to be Kapellmeister. It's like the chapel, like the guy who plays organ in the chapel. It's like a big position in the town. He took that position with a little bit of money and then him and this lady got the house and his idea was, I'm going to, through my own force of will and artistic talent, bring this town 
back to the prominence and the artistic center of Germany that it was 50 years ago. And this whole volume and this period of his life is about the struggles and like the, you know, the struggle with the town and with the local monarch and with like the people in the town and the fact that his lady is not accepted and the fact that people respect him as a pianist, but not so much as a composer of orchestral music, which is how he wants to be seen. So it's just this uphill battle for fucking over a decade and the whole time, you know, he has all of these young pianists coming through and he's teaching them and giving them places to live and and it just kind of is going through that. It's amazing. It's really inspiring, you know, like what a thing to do. Like this guy, who what would that be like now? I mean, it'd be like if, you know, Kanye West wasn't a psycho or like who's the biggest artist in the world? I keep thinking like that would be such a cool, like it's such a selfless, he's really, it, it seems like List was uh, the kind of person who... He had all the success that you could possibly have in his early life up until 35. And then he just kind of decided, like, I'm done being a pop star and I want to settle in this one place and I'm famous enough that the, the artistic world will, in a way, kind of come to me. And so I'm going to use what I have to... They call it the Weimar School. It's like this group of young pianists who he had around... And, and he like created this group of young guys who were all playing and instilled in them his own philosophy about art. He was so uncompromising about art as well. Like, like uh, there's this one story actually that stuck out to me. So, because people would just come. Like it goes through one by one, all of these virtuoso... Um, prodigies and protégés who he had and t tells like the story so like he met him here and he's from this place and then no, no, no. and one that i liked was uh this one from america i can't remember his name but list had invited him four years earlier on a whim the guy was in england maybe and he was like hey come to my place the altenberg in weimar and the guy was like oh, okay and then went back to america for four years and was just like thinking about it and whatever and four years later showed up on the doorstep unannounced and list was like i've been waiting for you for four years welcome come on in you know and the guy played for him and list was like great and then they were walking down back to the bottom of the hill and the guy's thinking like oh i blew it you know and then list goes anyway so we'll have a room arranged for you and we'll get this piano in that room and that'll be your piano and you'll stay there and the guy was like he must have been like 15 or something and he was like oh my god like this is it he's having he's like that was the thing that was like the huge, you know, if you were a pianist at that point, anywhere in the world, the dream was to be able to be invited to the Altenberg to play for List and then to have him go, come live with me and be my student for a few years. Um, and so there, he had like a bunch of these guys in the house and uh, this one story, there was this guy who came... Uh, I can't remember the name of the piece. There's a piece that Beethoven wrote that's supposed to be even now like the hardest piece. I can't remember what it's called. The Hammerklavier, maybe? It's like the hardest piece for solo piano ever. And um, List was the one who, before he came along and read it, people couldn't even figure out how it was supposed to be played. It was so hard and people were just like, ah, oh, Beethoven was kind of crazy. And then List got the sheet music and he was really good at like interpreting music in kind of new and interesting ways and he played it 
for the first time people heard it and were like, oh my God, this is how it's supposed to be played and interpreted. And he breathed new life into this piece that people had just kind of written off. So this guy shows up at the Altenburg and he's written a few days before and he said, I can play that piece. And they're like, oh, fuck, all right. If he reckons he can play that piece, crazy. And the, 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 um, the kind of vibe at the Altenburg was very much like when you got there, you were thrown in the deep end. So like all the other students would come and List would sit there and he would have you play for everyone. So all eyes were on you. So it's like the pressure. And this guy comes, so they all sit down and he starts playing this this hammer clavier, I think that's what it's called, the piece that he said he's going to be able to play. But immediately everyone's like, oh, he's playing it really slow. He's playing it like back tempo and List stops him halfway through and he goes like, no, idiot, and then plays it at the correct tempo. And uh, he's taken this as like a huge, like... This is like a, an offense. It's like, you know, he kicks him out like, the, the fuck out of here. Who the fuck do you think you are coming here? <laughs> I love it. Playing this piece too slow. And and because you're playing it so slow, it's made all the hard bits easier. Fuck you, you fucking phony pretender. And then when he gets down to the bottom of the hill, the student who escorts him, the guy's like, man, I'm really poor. Can I have a few bucks? And the guy's like, oh, sorry, man. Goes back up to the house, tells List, hey, that guy just asked to borrow money off me. And he was like, what the fuck? How dare this scumbag come to the house, play the piece too slow, and then try and borrow money off one of my students? And that was the kind of mentality. Like, if he just said when he was, oh, I'm a beggar, and come, and, you know, he would have been able to stay there for a few days and have some food. But because he tried to say that he could play this piece and pretend and like dishonor the art that they cared so much about. He was like, you fucking piece of shit. Get back out there on the streets. I like it. They're good stories. I'm really enjoying it. Anyway, I feel like I'm running out of steam here. Look, this week uh, I've got my uh, trial for the new show um, Wednesday and it's looking good. There's like 30 people in for that. Very excited. If you're in Melbourne and you want to come check it out, tickets are 10 bucks. Um, also, uh, Friday, I'm doing my show at uh, Bendigo at the um, Engine Room Theatre. If you want to come check that out, if you're in Bendigo, this is the last time I'm ever doing that show live. Tickets are on sale on my website as well. And also, next Friday, next Friday? Yeah, 27th. Um, will be the premiere of You Had to Be There, my documentary about the Edinburgh Fringe coming back after COVID. I'm so excited for this. Tickets are on sale for that, 10 bucks as well. But if you're on my Instagram, you can get a free ticket. Just fucking get a free one, man. I want it to be full. It's at Long Play in Fitzroy North in Melbourne. And uh, after that, it'll be on YouTube on a private link for two weeks. So you can see it if you've given money. If you want to check it out, please watch it. I'm really proud of it. We've worked so hard and it's almost done and I just, I can't wait to show it to you guys. And then after that two-week period, I'm taking it down. You won't be able to watch it because I'm going to try and sell it and I don't know what the process is going to be like. I hope, you know, it's good and whatever. We'll see. I don't, it's, I've never tried to sell something like this before, so um, it might come to nothing, but I'm going to give it a crack and I feel like that's going to take at least six months before I have an idea about whether it's going to sell and what's going to happen. So I'll take it off YouTube for that kind of period. Um, 
anyway, I think that's all I need to say for now. I hope you guys are doing good. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you've liked it, give us a five-star review, iTunes, Spotify, follow the uh, Instagram, do all of that shit. Oh, what's this fucking week going to be called? I haven't even got there. Fuck. What is this week going to be called? I'm just, I'm going to call it that. What's this week going to be called? No, I hate it. Working hard. I think that's it. Working hard. Spent too much money. Spent too much money. Maybe it'll be that. The picture this week is going to be a photo of people taking pictures that I took of... Oh, you know what? It's going to be people taking pictures that I got from my friend um, in Brisbane. She sent me a people taking pictures. I want to use that and I'll deep dream it and that'll go up on the website. Anyway, that's enough. Thank you guys very much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.